Welcome to the Design 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 podcast where Jan Orbit and I, Jesper Bylund, poke, prod, analyze and share our opinions on design, the everyday, the mundane as well as the exceptional and how people are affected and affect design. Today, today we're going to do something quite different, aren't we? We're going to ask each other a whole bunch of questions because we're both lucky enough to get asked lots of questions of people who, for whatever reason, value our our thoughts on things. And we wanted to go through some of these because it's quite rare for for you and I, Jesper, to actually discuss these points. So we've jotted them down, posted notes here and there, and sort of brought them together. And uh, yeah, let's uh, let's just go through them. Do you want to start? Yeah, I'm excited about this. This is going to be very fun. I'm going to lowball it and start with an easy one. If Apple were to release AR glasses, will you buy them? No. Next question. What? <laughs> what? No. <laughs> what do you mean, no? <laughs> I, I really look forward to, uh, to trying them. Uh, I tend to not buy things very early because I like to see how they are received. Not in the sense that I want to wait forever and then maybe if it's a good thing, I buy them. To me, the whole first couple of weeks of trying something out, or rather when it comes on the market and people are trying it out, is as valuable as the device or the service itself. So actually, I need to correct myself. Yes, I will buy them, but I won't use them immediately. I want other people to use them. I'll probably lend mine to other people first, and then I'll start using them. So I guess I lied. I will buy them, but I won't use them. That is a totally different answer than what I was expecting, to be honest. But I can kind of agree. Like, it's interesting to see what the market or what the what the users will actually do with it. But the product itself, especially when there's something new on the market, it's rarely that fun. It's mostly just interesting to start out with. Exactly, and and that's sort of what I what I'm after to to get enough impressions of what that is when the ipad came out the very very first ipad i was actually working on a on a project before we had the device about something that was going to be used on an ipad and we had these uh, fantastic cardboard uh, replicas of of the ipad and the first i think the first week or so we didn't actually start running um, stuff on the ipad at all we were simply handling the device the, the physical device to understand whether what we had created for it would actually be as as functional as clever as we had hoped it turned out really well but uh actually that one was really hard it was very very difficult not to start using it because oh as you know i mean i love ipad i am sort of ipad first i'm 90 percent ipad in my work okay so moving on is it important to have the latest gear? It's sort of a <laughs> related question, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Very. This is an interesting question, actually, because, of course, intellectually, we all know that, no, it, is, it isn't really important because what's important is the work. We, we have to get our work done and we want to do the best work we can. And to do that, we should really use the tools that are, that sh- that are useful for the task at hand, but also the things that we can use that we know how to use but having said that and i think i I feel like this is going to be a theme of this episode where we say one thing and then we take it all back but (laughs) as designers we also have to always understand the context of where people are in the world and and where the solutions that we're creating are being used. And the problem with that is that you pretty much always have to be a little bit ahead of the curve to sort of understand where the users will be 
when what you've created is actually launched. Because you're always working on something that will be in the hands of users at best in six months. So you're always looking slightly into the future. So I think that no, it's not valuable to have all of the latest gear, but you should kind of be aware of it. And you should try to keep up to date with what sort of gear are people using and will be using when whatever it is you're working on will be released. I think it's important to have the latest gear when it's something quite transformational. It's really important to have access to the iPad, I guess the AR glasses, but it's not important to have the latest iPhone unless it's markedly different from what came before it. So within reason, but I agree with what you're saying about having a deep understanding of when some of these devices or services, when they will be used and where they will be used. And now we're getting into the tough questions. So Jan, Mm -hmm. were conversational UIs iconic and defining or just a quick trend? Should we be designing for conversational UIs? I don't think they were a quick trend. I think they were something that has its place, like a lot of things that that pop up and then sort of the know-it-alls will say, oh, that's gone now. We don't need to do that anymore. That was fun. But moving on to the next new shiny thing, I think think pretty much everything has a a place and a space and a use. Was it iconic and defining? Uh, Sure, but I don't really think about it that way. It's it's, if it does what it's supposed to do, then great. What do you think? Well, based on what you said, I sort of interpret that as if they're a niche thing. No, not a niche. Your Honor, I protest or whatever. It's absolutely not a niche. It has use. Wherever it has use, wherever it makes sense, absolutely. That approach is great, but it's it's not. It, it doesn't replace a lot of other things necessarily. That's fascinating. I'm not sure if I disagree or agree, but here's my take. I think yeah. conversational UIs haven't taken off yet. I think we're still before the killer app for conversational UIs. Okay. And the reason I think this is just because if you're trying to use, I, of course, I can't say the uh, the trigger terms because then all of our audience's devices are going to go bing. But if you try to use any of them, you quickly discover that you really need to use them as a sort of a command interface and they're very slow. And the reason for this is that the technology is actually not that great yet. But we are getting there and we're getting there fast. And I think that we're going to pretty soon end up in a world where conversational UIs are so good that you can use them instead of a UI. And I think for accessibility, this will be a gigantic game changer. And we're not there yet. But imagine having conversational UI work the same way as keyboard shortcuts. It's a persistent layer on top of anything. It's just you don't have to use it. I think that's a future that we will end up in. It's just a question of when. I think you're right. And I think at that point, it does become quite iconic. Today, it hasn't actually achieved anything. Well, that's not necessarily entirely true, but it hasn't achieved enough or replaced enough or delivered its value enough to uh, to be iconic. But I hope it, I hope it will be. So here is a question. This is, I'm not kidding when I say that this is something that comes up daily. Should designers care about the metaverse? It's usually <laughs> not said with that kind of doom type voice. It's more like, hey, should we care about the metaverse? What should we do here? I'm so prepared for this one. Oh, you so I'm going to be, I'm going to be <laughs> facetious here and say, oh, could you define the metaverse for me, please? Uh, no. 
Well, I could, <laughs> but it, it's it's a very long answer, and I, yep. I can send you some links. But uh, the way that <laughs> the way that you define it, the way that you think of it, uh, should we design for that? <laughs> I think uh, I think yes. Designers should very much care about the metaverse, and I think uh, most of uh, most interpretations of what the metaverse is are. Um, a bit too future centric. They're a bit too sci-fi. I think the like if you boil down what what all of these metaverse concepts are trying to create, it's really the interchangeability of data. Basically, that if you own something, you can take it with you, regardless of what platform you're on. I think uh, Google has this internal team, right, called like the the data mobility squad or something. Their their entire purpose is to help. Uh, users of Google's products be able to move their data around through different Google products. And I think that's sort of what the metaverse will come into being as being. It's a way for you to move your stuff with you. And I think this very much is something designers should care about because your product will not exist forever. So you should be thinking about being able to import and export data when you're done with it. You have to think about the ends, which I know that you love. I do. I do love the ending of things. That, that we... sounded a bit doomsday saying. Could you please oh. explain that a bit? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll redo that. Oh, yes. Endings of things are absolutely brilliant. <laughs> that's, that's wonderful. But <laughs> Thank you. Thank you of, so much. Could you unpack that for our audience? Because you and I know we're talking about a book called Ends, but the audience Indeed. doesn't. Indeed. And suddenly I can't remember the, the author's name, but it is a fantastic book that looks at how we as a primarily from a Western society perspective have gotten used to not having to care or worry or even acknowledge the end state, the end state of the product, how we get out of services and subscriptions, where waste of what we purchase goes and even and even death. It's an amazing, amazing book, and I highly recommend it. And the good thing about that is if you design for the end of a product or a service, you get a fantastic insight into the life cycle of that product, which you simply don't have if you just start at the beginning and then sort of just figure out the answers along the way. You start at the end and sort of reverse engineer, you get amazing, amazing insights. I agree. It is a very powerful way to think about a service. Uh, his name is Joe McLeod, by the way. Thank you. What's the worst career advice you've ever received? <laughs> it's don't think that you'll ever be able to do something creative. <laughs> what? Yes. <laughs> do explain, please. I had a, um, a teacher at one point who was very adamant that when it came to creativity, and artistic expression, that was not something that I should ever even consider doing. And I'm, of course, I'm very glad that I've proven him incredibly wrong over the years. But it was, it, yeah, it is the worst career advice I've, I've received. And also thought it was horrendous by a teacher to express that to a student. Absolutely soul crushing. But, you know, it was, it was interesting. And I remember even then I was convinced that this person was absolutely wrong. But I was lucky. It could have been it could have been a lot harder to to hear that ever. So yeah, easily, easily the worst career advice I've ever been given. <laughs> Looking back at a lifelong career of of creative projects and artistic expression. <laughs> 
I think it's so bad that it hardly even qualifies as advice. <laughs> it's just a sort of a reprimand. Anyways, uh, yes, Bert. Very important question. Superbly important. Oh no, coffee or tea? Ah. Okay, actually, the uh, the listeners might not know, but of course, this is touching upon our religion. And I have to confess that I'm currently sinning because it's so cold in here. I have actually succumbed to drinking tea. And that's all for this week. Thank you for listening. Next week, it'll only be me on the, on the podcast. Yes, but I, I, no, wait, what? So obviously, I I know that you are slightly obsessive when it comes to coffee, and this is kind bit. of like a, a softball. But what what's happened? Tell me, it's cold, therefore I drink tea. Come on. Yeah, well, it's it's very cold, and uh, unfortunately, I cannot drink uh, liters of coffee. Unfortunately, I I had to drink tea. Uh, it feels weird. I am not happy about my life choices, but uh, here we are. No, no, no. This is all a joke, of course. Uh, yes, I am drinking tea. And yes, it's all because of uh, it's cold. But uh, no, coffee. Coffee always. Always coffee. And to me, it is uh, like 10 years ago, I started intermittent fasting, and which means I don't eat breakfast. So uh, for the first couple of weeks, I was extremely, extremely hungry in the mornings. And coffee just became this ritualistic almost comforting piece of a piece of my morning ritual or or my daily ritual so coffee for me has become very central and as you said borderline obsessive and it actually it freaked me out almost because a couple of years ago i i think it was last year maybe my um my fiance convinced me that it would be interesting to just see what i would be like without any caffeine in my system and it takes quite a few days to get rid of all the caffeine in your system. So what happened was I, I, I went on a caffeine fast for 10 days and I felt very different and it was very strange. So since then, I'm actually trying to drink less coffee, but I'm still at something like three to four double espressos a day. This is my sigh of relief to know that things haven't gone horribly wrong. And the thing <laughs> is, I, I love tea as well. I'm very I'm very particular about my coffee. Not so particular about my tea in terms of sort of the highest quality and such as I love PG tips. Like super mainstream British brand comes ready in little triangular tea bags. Oh I love that. But I can't really do like the nice posh tea. For some reason, I've 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 never been able to really appreciate those flavors. I, I think my, when it comes to coffee, as you know, I mean, I can literally travel around the world and to find the right beans. But with tea, <laughs> I just want the super bog standard, off the shelf supermarket PG tips. That that makes me happy. That's fascinating. Uh, That's anyway, really we could talk for hours, but I'm I'm sensing people might be hitting the uh, fast forward uh, 15, 20, 30 second thingy on their podcast player. So moving on, moving on. Ah, I see, I see. Mm-hmm. So you don't want us to get stuck on the on the tea coffee journey. That might be an entire episode actually, because we have a lot to discuss. We do. Maybe. Uh, how about next week? We tr- we have some coffee. And just touch upon our Ooh. love of coffee. Just like a little I think that's a, little I think that's a great idea. What do you actually need to start being a designer? You need an open mind, empathy, patience, and maybe above all, curiosity. If you truly, really want to figure things out and understand how things work or don't work and apply those as challenges to your own ideas, 
on behalf of someone else, because design is never ever about the designer, then I think you have everything that you need. There's no particular tools, like kind of like we touched on last week, that there's no particular stuff that you need as such. Uh, you can you can use whatever you use as long as you as long as you swap them out and just try different things, because it goes hand in hand with the whole idea of curiosity. So you need um you need an open and friendly mind. I completely agree, and this is I think one of the biggest misconceptions about designers and design work. The idea that sort of you have to you have to go to school to be a designer, or you have to learn a specific set of methods to be a designer, or you have to be a prolific Photoshop or Figma user to be a designer. I think of I think of design as something that is very similar to being a, um, a scientist. What you really need is curiosity and a certain amount of intellectual rigor so that you don't fool yourself into believing that the design is about you instead of what it is you're designing for. But I completely agree. I think you don't actually need anything. You just need to start being curious and start researching and start trying things. And all of a sudden, ta-da, you're a designer. Yeah, exactly like that. And unfortunately, I mean, there's so many powers in this world and ecosystems built up around the whole idea that it's actually the tools, that it is the apps, that it is whatever else that gets sold. That is the key to being a good designer. But none of that is true. None of that is true. I guess, I guess there's one thing that I would like wish for everyone who wants to get into design. And that is that you would enjoy a deep conversation. Yeah, because you probably have to talk to a lot of people. And it's going to be way easier for you if you enjoy it. Yeah, very good point. Very, very good point. All right, shall we do uh, one more question each and then go and drink coffee? Tea. It sounds like fun. Yeah, let's yeah. do it. All right. So don't, um, don't pull any punches here now. Pick some pick some hard questions. Hmm, what's your favorite color? No. A digital designer looking at whether they should get down the right route of formal studies or internship. What would you what would you recommend? This is an awesome question. Because this is a question I struggled with myself. I think you should go for an internship. Like the anything you study will be valuable to you as a designer. And any way to study design will help you. But there's nothing that's going to help you even a percentage point as much as just going out and doing something. So if you can find an internship or if you can persuade someone that it will be valuable for them to just bring you along and have you helping out, that's going to be infinitely more interesting for you. And it might be a bit scary, of course, because it's not a clear progression from how to go from doing nothing to internship to fully paid designer. But I definitely think you should get your feet wet. Go go jump on an internship. You know, in general, I, I absolutely agree. And, and this is someone who also lectures at universities, KTH in Stockholm, Alt University in Helsinki. One doesn't necessarily replace the other. But if you're not sure whether you should do formal studies or internship, I'd say do the internship. Go and really just dive in, learn, because you'll get a lot more out of the studies as well once you do go study, if you do that afterwards. So uh, yeah, internship. Excellent extension. But I have to ask a follow-up on this. And this is not my final question. This is just a short follow-up. What did you study? And what do you wish that you had studied? Oh, I have studied uh, bookbinding, Egyptology. Amazing. (laughs) 
I've, I have really no sort of formal qualifications to work as a designer. Uh, I've, I've been fortunate enough to be blessed with a very curious mind and occasionally patience and uh, just sort of dove, dove into things. So I'm, I'm, I'm not a good, uh, I'm not a good spokesperson for doing it the, the way that people usually give advice on how to do it. But I think I'm a, I'm a good spokesperson for finding your own way of being able to work as a designer because there are there are so many ways and design is very individual it is about you as a person hence the curiosity the empathy etc i think that's a lovely answer i think it also clarifies why we both think that internship is a faster or better route to yeah. being a designer yeah yeah good point so you have one more question to ask. I do. I do. And I'm just, I'm standing here thinking about it. I'm like, ooh, I want to go with a tough one. But do we have enough time to get in on this? And Sorry, I have to. So you actually stand up while you're recording? I do, yeah. Oh, I didn't I, know I that. try to stand up and work uh, most of the time. So we, we don't really have any chairs at home. And yes, this is a uh, sort of a uh, uh, bohemian-esque quality. But uh, I sit on the floor or I stand up to work. Cool. Sounds very nice. Very nice. I'm, I'm sitting ridiculously comfortably <laughs> well i am envious i can tell you <laughs> we'll swap for next time i go to your place and you can come here brilliant yeah your uh, your feet will hurt for the first time um <laughs> No, but okay. So I actually want to get into something that is a, a twofer or a two-part question here. Sort of the, the simple question is basically, should designers learn how to code? But the more interesting question or the, the broader question that sort of sums that up is, what's the least traditionally design-linked skill that you use on a regular basis? Mm. Interesting. Well, the, the first part of it, should designers learn to code? Uh, it's like, yeah, sure. Uh, but I think there's other things that designers can also learn that are equally, even for digital designers, is equally valuable. And that is to understand what other people, what other professionals that one works with, what their work looks like and what they are creating. And it doesn't really matter if it's code or if it's something made out of wood or or even, I guess, how cities work. Because and, and that would be my answer to the second part, the least sort of traditionally design aspect, how cities work and how we people live life, how we move around, not from a city planning perspective, but from a contextual perspective is what at least for many years I've been told that that's not very designy to think about that, especially when designing a digital service. But to me, it is incredibly important. I, I, I can honestly say that I haven't worked on a single project for at least six, seven, eight years that hasn't become better, more insightful by looking at how we live our life in cities. And this, of course, is closely tied to mobility, but it, it, it has more to do really with the things that don't move than the things that move. And I think there's lots of things that, that one can really get into that have an impact on design, on, on digital design, that isn't traditionally seen as a digital design skill. Uh, I think uh, I think materials is one. We all hold a lot of devices, but very few people think about what that feeling is like and how that might vary depending on, you know, the size of your hand, if you have a fully functioning or not hand, what the climate is, etc. So, uh, people geeking out on materials is I mean that's that's brilliant. It's like geeking out on cities. It's just very closely related. Yeah, I have to completely agree here. I uh, um there is really nothing that isn't interesting to a designer like or to the craft of being a designer. Like all knowledge will help you. And I think it's I think it's interesting that people have told you that 
that city design wouldn't overlap with digital design because uh, my sort of geekiest um, tangent to design is philosophy and specifically the philosophy of of knowledge and like I always come back to things like how the mind perceives reality. And a city is a very, very good map of how a service will work or how a set of services will work. Because the uh, the mind is very much set up for spatial reasoning and spatial mapping. And when we think of information flow in a digital service, we really use the same metaphors like just intuitively, we think of things as being up or down or left or right of and behind or before or after something else, even though those metaphors absolutely make no sense from the computational mathematical structure that we're interacting with. Yeah. <laughs> that might have become a little bit bizarre, but still, I think it's very interesting that pretty much everything is related to design. And I also want to touch on the first question because this is a pet peeve of mine. Should designers learn how to code? The fact that this is a question bothers me <laughs> because like, no, you, it, there's no, there's nothing inherent in design that says that you must know how to code. But if you're going to design for code, then it's a very good idea if you understand mm. code. Just like if you're going to design for a material, it's a very good idea if you understand that material. So why is this a question? Oh, it's not <laughs> anymore. It's not anymore. It's okay, Jesper. It's gone. It's 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 not a question. It used to be. It used to be. <laughs> I don't even have any coffee. I'm going to cry now. <laughs> See, that's what happens when you drink tea. This was good fun, Jesper. It really was. I think uh, I think going through some questions and just uh, seeing what pops into our minds uh, is uh, it's a nice little exercise because we're always getting these types of questions and we're always trying to think of responses to them. But it's not there's not always time to discuss this with other designers. Mm, yeah, true. true. I would actually and- love to see if our audience has any any questions like this that they might want to discuss as well. Could be a lot of fun. That is true. Uh, find us wherever you happen to be online, and uh, just drop us just drop us some points. Uh, this is really good fun. Hey, Jesper, Next week we're going to talk about something else. But I, I'm we not are sure what? No, me neither. But uh, we're also looking forward to at some point have some guests on to just get more perspectives and have yes. even more interesting conversations and more interesting um, points of view on the world. So. Who knows? Maybe we'll do that next week, or maybe we'll talk about something else. Yeah, we'll see. It'll be good fun either way. But Thank you, Jesper. I promise you, yes. next week, we will have coffee. We will have coffee, indeed. <laughs> Thank you, Jesper. Uh, Thank, you. Thank you for listening. See you next week. See you next week. See you next week.